if you are breathing, let's praise him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's always good to be in Palmer. And uh, I truthfully say it just feels like I'm coming home. If that's okay. Uh, you folks have been so very, very kind to my family and to me over the years. And, of course, your pastor and his family uh, are just tops in my book. Amen. Time to grow. If ever there was a time to grow, it's now. The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And if you're not rooted and grounded... <clears throat> Can I be so bold to say you're more than likely going to fall by the way? Amen. Praise God. And uh, it's always amazed me in my observation over the years how people can be so concerned about their physical health and yet so unconcerned about their spiritual growth. And over the years, <laughs> I've had people say, well, does it really matter? Does it really matter, preacher? Are you kidding me? Does it really matter? Does a fish swim in the water? Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. One translation puts it, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And then here's a clincher. Indeed, you are still not ready. Now, new babes in Christ are not ready for some teachings and some things. They have to have milk, Pastor. But if this young man, what's your name?
doesn't take rocket science. But yet, Pastor, we have people that sit in our chairs that have been sitting there for years and years, and the pastor has to come by and plop a milk bottle, spiritual milk bottle in their mouth. And so I greatly appreciate your pastor having sessions like this, giving you incentives to help you in your spiritual growth. And I, I count it a great honor, I really do, to be invited to be here tonight, <clears throat> share a few things I have found that helped me and my growing stronger in Jesus Christ. I agree with the Apostle Paul when he writes to the church at Philippi, not as though I had already attained. I, Brother Flail, I haven't attained. Okay? Either we're already perfect. If you're looking for a perfect teacher, I'm leaving. Hmm. But, I haven't attained, I'm not perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend, whoo, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ, Philippians 3.12. Now, spiritual growth is very easy, very easy. I worked for a number of years in, uh, for a uh, fruit and vegetable farm, and uh, we were, uh, different times, we planted apple trees and peach trees. And if the ground was prepared the way it should be, and if the conditions were right, and the tree was planted, and it was given care, I never saw the owners out in the orchard at 4 o'clock in the morning just looking at that tree. Are you going to grow? Are you going to grow? Are you going to grow? It'll just grow. It'll just grow. So if you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's just a natural process. You're going to grow. But those fruit trees do have enemies. And so the husbandman or the owner of the orchard had to battle those enemies. And so the Spirit is... Willing? And the flesh is double willing? No, the flesh is weak. And so we got this battle. But if you will do, if you will do, you're going to grow. Now let me give you it. Very simple. Okay? Very simple course that I sang when I was a kid in Sunday school. 
Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every other day, pray every other week, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow. Grow. So there it is, Pastor. Let's stand and be dismissed. But really, the big word there is if. Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time. Hey. Every one of us is given 24 hours. And when the salmon are running, I don't care how busy people are, they're found on the riverbank. Amen. Moose season comes, Brother Bob. Oh, but I got that, but I, well, you make your choice. As of this past August, I've had the Holy Ghost 70 years. Now, I cannot say truthfully the Holy Ghost has already always had me. Been in the ministry nearly 60 years. So let me give you just a few tidbits. And I'm, I, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So if you're expecting to hear some brand new revelation, some brand new thing, uh, you, you're dismissed. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Wow. Did I just read this? <laughs> Down to that second phrase. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. But here are a dozen things that I do. Is that what it says? No, but this one thing I do, this is at the top of the list, okay? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. I press. I don't 
lackadaisical, just, no, no, I press toward the mark for the prize, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. So number one, you, you, you must. Look at your neighbor and say, you must. You must keep your eyes fixed on the goal. In other words, you have to stay focused on the goal. Please silence your phones. Social media. I'm glad for it. But that's just one thing that, yeah, one little thing, Brother Playle, of a myriad of many things that try to get the main focus in our lives. a good friend that guides on the Kenai River and it's been some years ago now but uh, one of the executives from one of the banks in Anchorage called down <clears throat> said Tim I <clears throat> I want to take myself and three others out on the river and just get away you know from the hectic rush up around Anchorage and just get out and relax on the river. So they did. I was talking to Tim later and he said we were back trolling. And uh, he said I looked down and all four of them. And their thumbs were going like crazy. Some of you all are going to have Problems with your thumbs later on in life. Oh. So you have to keep your eye fixed on the goal. And the, the enemy is going to do everything he can to get your eyes off that goal. And secondly, you must press, you must press on. The Apostle Paul says he presses toward the goal. What's your goal tonight? Now, let's talk about the end goal, okay? We, we, should, have, we should have personal goals. I, I was just out in Bethel and was invited over to a family, young family in their church for dinner. Bradbury's were away on vacation and as we were sitting at the table I looked up and on the wall they had old-fashioned chalkboard it looked like and different things but on there it had goals for this week I thought man that's awesome you have to have a goal and Paul said I press toward the goal in other words, I'm not going to let anything hinder me from reaching my goal. I press 
toward the goal. Whatever challenges you are facing, you have to learn to press on, press on. And Paul uses the analogy of a race to show that we're constantly striving toward our goal. Constantly. Every day. Every day. The devil doesn't take any vacations. The devil doesn't look in his little black book and say, oh, for the next two weeks, I'm not going to bother, Brother Stacy." No. And we cannot take spiritual vacations. I'm sorry. Amen. We, we just can't. It's a battle. It's a fight. How do you think the Israelites felt when they left Egypt land? When it finally dawned on these people. Tomorrow morning, I'm not going to have to work in this blazing sun. I'm I'm never again going to feel the whip of the taskmaster on my back. Amen. My diet's going to get a whole lot better. Everything. Woo! Hallelujah. We're leaving Egypt. Hey, do you remember the joy? (laughs) Do you remember the joy? Praise God. I'm no longer a servant of sin. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I've been delivered. I've been set free. But he did not bring them out for them just to wander in the wilderness. The Bible says he brought them in out that he might bring them in. And he has brought you out of sin and degradation that he might one day bring you in. And the problem with the Israelites, uh, they lived so long in the wilderness. They saw sand and scorpions and scrub brush and the heat. Amen. They saw that every day till finally Moses said, hey, we're going to a land that flows with milk and honey. (laughs) A beautiful land. It rains. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's great. It's great. They lost sight of that. All they could see was the wilderness. Hey, friend, we're in the wilderness. I know. Amen. But don't get so wrapped up that all you see is the wilderness. We're still heading toward the goal. And I'm pressing. I'm pressing. It's a battle. When a runner starts out on his course, he does not carry any unnecessary clothing or baggage. Why? Any cross-country runners here? Oh. So you wear your big parka and you wear your heavy boots. Why, well, why don't you wear all that stuff? What? It gets heavy. It weighs you down. And not only does it weigh you down, it slows you down. We got to run light. 
I said we have to run light. What's the Apostle Paul saying? How are we supposed to run this race? With patience and laying aside some weights, a few weights, every weight. Now, there are some things that may be weights to me, and they're not weights to Brother Bob. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Brother Bob, whatever is weighing us, we got to get rid of it. And weights don't necessarily have to be sins. Because he goes, you lay aside the weight and the sin. Anybody ever dieted? Dieted? I've lost over 750 pounds in my lifetime. But I can walk past a piece of German chocolate cake and gain five pounds. The weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. You've got to get rid of it. Whatever it is, take it and hold it up in the light of eternity. Hold it up in the light of eternity. And what does it matter? I don't know there. 40, 50,000 people gathered down in a ballpark in Phoenix tonight? <laughs> Most of them, yeah. But, I mean, I was listening to the game last night. I'm sorry, Pastor. And above the announcer's voice, all I heard was a roar. A roar. When the Phillies were playing, they said some of those some of those fans stand the entire game. In a few years from now, Brother Stacy, what's it going to matter? What's it going to matter? But what we're involved in tonight, and what we why we want to grow and be stronger is that, hey, friend, we're going to heaven. That's, a, that's our goal. Yeah. I got to keep it there every day. Every day. And the runner does not constantly look over his shoulder. Look over your shoulder and then take off running. You're heading for disaster. In doing so, cause two calamities. Again, it would slow him down. He can't see what dangers lie in front of him. 
I liked what Brother Farmer taught in the lesson one time. He said, you don't see any rear view mirrors in airplanes. No matter how long the race, can't give up. You have to keep going on. Got to keep pressing on. Keep striving. Because we have to cross the finish line. John Stephen Akwahari. Anybody ever heard of John? He's from Tanzania. And he ran the marathon in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. He came staggering into the stadium more than an hour behind the winner of the marathon. More than an hour. After the race, he simply said, Oh, God. My country did not send me to the Olympics just to start. The race. I was sent here to finish the race. Pastor, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We weren't sent just to start a race. Praise God. Thank God that's good. It's good to start. It's good to have a beginning. Amen. But friend, listen. We have to be in this for the long haul. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to finish. Mm. Ecclesiastes 9-11. Ecclesiastes 9-11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. Does anybody here know somebody that used to sit on the chairs here in Palmer but they're not here tonight why are you here why, why aren't you with them outside for whatever reason Grow. we've all been knocked down I said, we've all been knocked down. Oh, I've been knocked down so many. Nobody's counting the times you've been knocked down. We're counting the times you got back up. I'm getting up one more time. I'm getting up one more time. <laughs> I said, I'm getting up one more time. Devil, you can't keep me down. There are not enough imps in hell there are not enough weapons in hell to keep me down. Greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. And if you will walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, you will overcome. You will grow, 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 grow. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not as strong as Brother Playo. I'm not as strong as Brother Stacy. Mm. I wish. No, it doesn't come by wishing. <laughs> Man. I wish I were as strong. I can't be. Yes, you can. <laughs> the Apostle Paul. Now, you want to step in his footsteps? You want to put his sandals on and walk in them for a while? The Apostle Paul can stand here and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And then you can get a spiritual greenhorn and he can stand and say, I can do all things. Friend, there's a big difference. <laughs> big, big difference. But if you look at the Apostle Paul, And the references he makes to prayer. Praying always in the Spirit. We need to live in an attitude of prayer. I know we've got jobs and we've got responsibilities. Uh, but amen, we can still live in an attitude of prayer. And when I get a few spare seconds or minutes during the day, where does my mind go? Pastor, you made reference in a text to me not long ago about early in the day. Brother Bob, I have found out when I wake up in the morning, and a good gospel song comes to me, and I hum it a while or sing it a little bit, I, I just find, Pastor, that throughout the day, not even with really thinking about it, it's just there. It's just there. When your mind... Our minds right now, man, we're, <laughs> I wish he'd quit so I'd get home and go to bed. 
But our minds are so cluttered. But when you wake up in the morning, your mind is fresh. Amen. That's, to me, that's the best time to get in the Word of God. And then again, when I have spare time throughout the day, my mind's not going to Louis L'Amour or Zane Gray. Nothing wrong with that. Amen. But my mind is going to that scripture. Hallelujah. Woo! And listen, you're growing. Little by little by little. Mid-August, I... <clears throat> went to Florida to see my daughter and son-in-law. Not really. I went to see my two grandsons. <laughs> Got to be truthful. Amen. But I hadn't seen my youngest grandson, Colby, in oh, I don't know how many months. But the last time I saw him, I was when I was talking to him, I was kind of looking like this. This time when I talked <laughs> <clears throat> I was looking straight ahead. And by the time I see him next spring at his graduation, I'll probably be. But w when you're around every day, you, you really don't see it. <laughs> but it's happening. Little by little by little. Growing, growing. Mm. So I've been going for <laughs> okay, a few more. We find what I consider to be three profound statements in Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 11, 14, and 16. In Hebrews 4, 11, the apostle says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Somebody tell me what the rest is. Isaiah, is it 28? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Till with a stammering lip and another tongue will he speak to this people. <clears throat> and this is the rest wherein he would cause the weary to rest. Woo! Now, what does it say about those people? But they would not. Uh, we don't need that rest. I'm telling you tonight, I need the rest, Pastor Herring. And I'm telling you, I have found a rest in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I said, I have found a rest in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. A rest that I really can't describe to you. Hallelujah. 
But oh friend, those of you that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, it brings a rest. And we are living in such a restless time. Restless time. What's Isaiah say about the sea churning up? It's dirt at rest. No rest. Like the waters just churning up dirt. People out there are looking for rest. They're looking for a peace. Hallelujah. And here we are tonight. Amen. We have entered into that rest. We have a peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. People have said, how can you be at such peace? Years ago, I was driving a school bus one afternoon, and on Miller Loop, just north of our church, I made a stop, and I looked up, and here's my wife in a car. And she comes over, and she said, there's a driver coming to take the rest of your route, and about that time he showed up. I said, what's going on? Said Merlin Crumpacker and his good friend were just in a plane wreck, float plane. They were coming back from across the inlet. Everything was socked in. And the pilot, Brother Merlin, wasn't flying. It was, as I said, a float plane. Pilot saw a small window back towards the west side of the inlet. He went over came down through it, one of his skis or one of the floats caught a wave and flipped the plane. Merlin and his buddy were able to get out. The tide was out. They made it to shore. Well, by the time the Coast Guard or whoever got there, the tide had taken the plane out and they couldn't see anybody. And so... We were just a short ways from the Crumpacker home, so my wife and I went to Sister Debbie's. We went in, and she was kind of surprised and talked a few seconds, and I knew she didn't know yet. And so I told her. And when I did, her bottom lip quivered just a little bit. And then word came, we think they're okay. Anyway, we went to Central Peninsula Hospital, and I'm telling you, we walked in. Sister Debbie sat down, and there was just a calm assurance. And over here was sitting the other, the pilot, his family, and, <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. But I thought, what a contrast. What a contrast. And it ended up they were both okay. But situations like that, we find ourselves in. Amen. And we would just be at the end of our ropes, but then the beautiful Spirit of God comes in, and we find that rest. We find that peace. So I agree. The rest is the Holy Ghost. Okay, 
But there's more to the rest, I believe. Our goal, that's going to be the final rest. Hallelujah. But what I get here is, it's not just, again, lackadaisical. No. Paul said, we've got to labor to enter into the rest. Opposite things, labor and rest. But without the labor, you're not going to get the rest. Again, it's not coming here and the pastor plopping a spiritual bottle in your, your mouth every Sunday. Amen. Friend, when you walk out of here, you're walking into a battle. You're walking into a fight. You're walking into labor. Someone has said, if you live for God hard, it'll be easy. But if you live for God easy, it's going to be hard. And we are surrounded by so many so-called Christians who believe and live in an easy believism mentality in their walk with God. Why? Because it gives leeway to the works of the flesh. I'm, no, I'm not telling you anything new when I say the flesh and the spirit are not compatible. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul tells us that in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's a battle. We have to labor into that rest. So every day, every day I have to make a decision, Brother Bob. Amen. Am I going to live for the flesh or the spirit? Amen. And I'm glad this morning, Pastor Herring, when my feet swung out of bed, amen, I said, I'm living for God today. I don't care what the, I don't know what the enemy's got planned for me, but God does. Hallelujah. <laughs> Elijah, was it Elijah or Elisha that sent to the king of Israel? I think it was Elisha. Two or three times said, don't go this way. The enemy's going to be there. <laughs> hey, friend, you live and walk in the spirit. Amen. At some point, you're maybe planning to go a certain direction, and the Spirit checks you and says, no, uh-uh, don't go that way. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And by the end of the day, Brother Bob, I put my head on the pillow tonight, uh, and I've got a good feeling in my heart and soul. Uh, I live for God today. Amen. I live for God today. I walked in the Spirit today. The number one way I live and walk in the Spirit is by having a funeral every day. Got to have a funeral every day. Got to crucify the flesh. Again, though living for God 70 years, it's still a battle. If you're going to have rest, you're going to have to labor. Man, we could spend a lot of time there. But Paul then tells us in verse 14, how can I labor? 
how can I enter into the rest? Seeing then that we have a great high priest passed into the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Brother Bob, what did it take to get you saved? What? Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Anybody remember an altar of repentance somewhere? Whether it be here, a bedroom, out in the woods, over a tree stump, uh, we repented. Hallelujah. We didn't just shed a few crocodile tears. Uh, but when we repented, we made an about face. Hallelujah. Not going that way anymore. Not living that way anymore. Not doing those things anymore. Not talking that way anymore. Not looking that way anymore. Hallelujah. I have repented. I've told you, Brother Arlie Enos, a good friend of mine, missionary to our military over in Europe years ago. He's retired now, but... He said, I was uh, watching one day, and the British troops were on parade. And what you would call their drill sergeant, you know, they were marching. And all of a sudden, where our drill sergeants would say, about face, you know what their drill sergeant said? Repent. And they all turned and went the other way. <laughs> repent hey whew, don't let anybody tell you that there's not a big thing in repentance <laughs> repentance is awesome hallelujah Woo! and with repentance comes forgiveness <clears throat> have you ever had to go to somebody and say I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Not easy to do. You got to do it. You find forgiveness. So, we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. No, we're baptized for the remission. Huh. You've got a car payment due tomorrow, the first of the month. And you don't have much, you don't have insurance. And tonight Johnny falls down and fractures his arm or his shoulder or something. And money you've saved up for whatever, for a car payment. So November 1st, I don't, I don't have my car payment, but I've got a good record. So I go into the bank, talk to somebody and say, tell them the circumstances. Say, I can't have it here today, but I will have it here on the 14th. And 
you know, people understand it's okay. And you are forgiven for not having your payment there when it was due. But it's still on the books. But when you go in on the 14th, you plop down the money, then that's taken care of. You are forgiven of your sins, friend, but I'm sorry to tell you, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, they're still there. But when we're baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus, the sin is washed away, never more to be remembered against you. Infilling of the Holy Ghost. This message. We were saved. I said we were saved by Acts 2.38. But in essence Paul said leaving that. We go on. And he's not saying that's not important. But hey thank God but that's just getting you in the building. Now let's go on to perfection and to growing in God. But friend, we've got to hold on to that. I'm telling you, it seems about everybody I talk to today is saved. Never darken a church door. And I'm not saying you got to go to church to be saved, but... Okay, thank you. Then I'll say it. <laughs> you know, ne never darken the church door. Never support the church. Never see him at prayer meeting. Never see him at Bible study. Oh, but I love Jesus. And we're all going to make it someday. Brother Plano, that sounds good. Pastor, that sounds good. I, I, and personally, you know, I'd love, yeah, let's all be saved. But <laughs> it's not a dozen ways to climb the mountain and we'll all get at the top some, you know, whatever way we, no. There's only one way up this mountain. Only one way. And we have got to hold on to that. Hold fast your profession. Especially today. Hold fast this ecumenical movement, you know. Of, oh, we're all going to, no, no, no. We've got to come the Bible way of salvation. And I am not saved in the book of Romans. I'm not saved in the book of Ephesians. I'm not saved in any epistle. I'm saved in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Born again of water and the Spirit. Uh, and I've got to love this message uh, with everything that is within me. Uh, and if I will hold fast my profession, uh, I will enter into the rest. Again, in a world where it seems everyone is saved, just say a, 
words of a so-called sinner's prayer. And one day you walk streets of gold. Hold fast. Hold fast. John 3, 7 still rings true today. Ye must be born again. We need a steady diet of that to help us grow and mature. Every morning, Brother Bob, I take a pill, and it comes out of a bottle, and the bottle has on it one a day. Anybody heard of one a day? Vitamin supplement? One a day. We need a daily dose. We need a daily dose. Hallelujah. Oh, God, give me a love for this truth like I've never had before. Hallelujah. Because when the winds blow and the sea rages, uh, there's only one thing that's going to bring me through, and that is the truth of God's Word. Hallelujah. Praise God. I do not believe there are going to be people walking streets of gold that aren't repented, that aren't baptized in His name, that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. By holding fast my profession. Leads me to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain. Did you see that? Where's my friend? Did somebody give you this? How did you get it? Did you buy it? You did. In other words, he obtained it. He paid something for it. <laughs> Paul just said we don't just waltz in. Boldly. That we may obtain. <laughs> if we labor, if we hold fast to our profession, we may obtain mercy by God's grace at last my sin I learn. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Oh, mercy, there was great. Mercy, there was great. I wouldn't be here tonight were it not for the mercy of Almighty God. I can't describe, I can't preach, I, I don't have the words to describe it. Uh, but thank God when I come boldly to the throne, uh, there is mercy. I don't deserve that mercy. I don't deserve it. At some point in your coming to the Lord, 
Brother Trace, at some point, you realized the great, great gulf that was between you and Almighty God. All of us, we come to this realization of who God is and I am, who I am. He's so great and mighty and holy and righteous and pure. And I am just the opposite. And you're telling me, preacher, that I can come boldly to him. Give me a break. Hallelujah. How do I come? <laughs> well, it was a good song that they sang at Billy Graham Crusades. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to me, O Lamb of God, I come. I can't do anything about this mess. But I realize that you can. And I don't deserve it. But I realize and I read about your great love. Hallelujah. And you loved me. Amen. Before I ever thought of loving you. Let me just share this and then I'm going to come to a close. So we come to the throne. Paul is telling us because of his great love and mercy, we can come boldly. Mm, I like that. But Alexander McLaren, are you familiar with McLaren? Says that that word boldly, I'm quoting now, neither conveys the original nor does it correspond to our sense of propriety. He goes on to say, the thought would be more beautiful and far more naturally represented by a more literal translation, which would be, let us come with sure confidence to the throne of grace. And if you go to the base of the meaning of that word confidence, it means speaking everything. Speaking everything. I think we can easily understand how naturally that becomes an expression for the unembarrassed, the unrestrained, full outpouring of a heart. You can't pour out your heart. It's very innermost feelings. You can't do it in the fullest confidence to a person you do not respect or trust. Just can't do it. But if you can find someone that you trust with everything within you, 
how swiftly the words come pouring out. How easy it is to tell and express your whole heart. And so it is with this great word of confidence, uh, showing us the way we're to go to God with confidence, uh, full, unembarrassed, expressing myself with full trust. Uh, I may withhold some things from even my dearest companion because they can't see the depths of my soul. But our God is an omniscient God, seeing and knowing the deepest thoughts and feelings of our heart. There's nothing you can withhold from him. Amen. Oh, God knows my heart. He likes to hear it here. Let it come pouring out. Praise God. And then he'll take care of it. We're growing. We're growing. Twenty-three years ago, July, I was standing out a, outside of a hospital room and sold out in a First wife, Sister Churchill, Orvedo, and six or seven other ladies were in there with my daughter Kim. And I heard words being spoken. Push. You recognize that word, Sister Carver? Push. I don't feel like pushing anything but push. And then I heard big smile came across my face. And it seemed like hours, but it was just a few minutes later. Nurse came out, this little blanket, and laid in my arms. My first grandchild, Alice. Last Saturday. Her mother and I gave her away. She's a married woman now. And I've thought since Saturday, how can this be? Growth. Growth. She wasn't ready for that at 5, at 10, 16. But in God's time, in God's time, in essence, we were laid in the Lord's arms one day as little babes. But one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. And it's not going to be a little baby, but a mature child of God. It's going to hear, well done. Well done. Can you stand and let's just praise the Lord.